dulcet tones of Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass means it's time for yet another edition of Fangraphs Audio. Hello, I'm Carson Sestouli, your host on this edition of Fangraphs Audio. Much as we've done for the first two rounds of postseason play, we offer you today a playoff preview pod number three. This edition of the pod features Matt Clausen, Joe Polakowski, and our full-time employee Dave Cameron. And it comes to you minutes before the first pitch of Game 1 of the World Series. If you've listened to the first couple of episodes previewing the respective playoff series, you know that our panelists are no strangers to vitriol. That pattern continues in this particular edition of the pod, as Joe Polakowski expresses his feelings about Cablevision and Fox. Additionally, Dave Cameron tells us that some of Ron Washington's roster choices are a bit mysterious. And on that same note, our resident philosopher, Matt Clausen, attempts to help us understand the psychology of the Ron Washington. Yes, America, it's another fascinating edition of Fangraphs Audio, and it's happening right now. Yeah, uh, right, I definitely haven't been lying to you in the introduction, or at least I hope I haven't. Um, in that case, what you know so far is that this is Fangraphs Audio, and that this is the uh, Playoff Preview Pod Volume 3 World Series Edition. Um, much like last panel, I have uh, three of our uh, recurring panel members here at this um, incredibly round and equally virtual table. Those members are, are uh, let's see, in order of, um, let's see, uh, kindness to his fellow man. We'll start with Joe Polakowski, who's coming to us from the big uh, big city. Joe, how are you doing, sir? Uh, you are too kind, Carson, and uh, probably don't know me well enough to to rank me where you. No, do. but I feel like at least in our interactions, uh, and you know, that's sort of the depth of my uh, of my research here. <laughs> but what you don't know, Carson. But what yeah. you don't know. Well, there's uh, there's a lot that I don't know. Uh, let's also go from from there to our second kindest gentleman, Matt Clausen. Uh, Matt, hey. you're coming to us from the frozen north, which I understand isn't quite as frozen as usual today. Is that right? It's sort of a swampy north today. Okay, well that's fair enough. Uh, you, I assume you'll be descended into uh, darkest winter soon, though. Is that right? Yeah, I don't really get. Uh, usually, after hot Christmas is when it usually gets freezing cold up here. Okay, all right, yeah, freezing. I mean, cold. really cold. Right, 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 right. Now, is that uh, is it freezing on the uh, the metric or the uh, or the you know the traditional thermometer? Well, on the metric scale, it'll probably start in the next few weeks. I just mean in terms of how much snow and how nasty it is. That doesn't really start. I mean, it's, it's, it's unpleasant, Yeah. but it gets really gross after Christmas. After Christmas, sorry. Duly noted. And uh, uh, finally, to the, uh, to the meanest of our panel members, uh, without a doubt, is uh, from the American South, Dave Cameron. Uh, yeah, mean guy here. <laughs> the, uh, in the last part, I think that some people were um, coming to Klaus's defense because of terrible things you were saying to them. I, I for one, don't mind it, necessarily. Well, I, I think that, uh, you know, if those people don't like me being factually correct, then they can go shove it. Well, he did just tell a, uh, at least some portion of the listenership to go shove it. Duly noted, uh, last time we talked about the championship series and how those would work out, those are over with. We have two World Series contenders now. They will be meeting uh, Wednesday night in San Francisco, California, I believe. Uh, before we get to that, let's do take a brief look back first uh, at the um, ALCS. We'll start with Joe Polakowski. That should be fun. Uh, Joe Paul, of course, is a uh, he writes for River Ave Blues and uh, will, of course, have a Yankees perspective. Joe, 
Is this a question of the Yankees losing to the Rangers? Is it a question of, uh, you know, random variation, or is there something sort of, uh, I guess, uh, you know, uh, what's this word, uh, symptomatically wrong with them, or sort of something deeper wrong with the Yankees? I don't think it's something systematically wrong with the Yankees. I, they, you know, they just didn't hit all series, and that's it's not something. It doesn't have to do with you know them being too old, because even the young guys didn't hit. Um, you know, it came down to Teixeira didn't have a hit all series and got hurt. Uh, Rodriguez had a pretty bad series. The pitching didn't hold up. I mean, Phil Hughes had just uh, a horrendous series. Uh, so when you have a few of those things going wrong, and a number of other things went wrong. Uh, you know, Texas was cl- clearly the better team uh, when they were playing this series, and uh, I'll even go as far to say that Texas, you know, they deserve to win. It's not like this was some, you know, bad week for the Yankees. They've been playing like this for about a month and a half at this point. Well, did you learn anything about Texas from the series that you didn't know before? Uh, that apparently Elvis Andrews can get on base at will. Okay, yeah, and he and he did that quite successfully. Actually, that provides a nice little segue to Matt Clausen here. Matt, uh, we might address this uh, further as we talk about the series itself, the World Series, that is. But you wrote uh, just in the last day or two here on, uh, on the site a post about Elvis Andrews' leadoff hitter. Um, is Elvis Andrews all of a sudden a genius? I mean, I assume he's not all of a sudden a genius at getting, uh, getting on base, but is he somehow maybe better than we expected? And is Ron Washington's faith in him justified, do you think? I think he's a really good young player. Uh, we can talk about this more when we talk about the, the World Series. Um, I just want to make clear, I mean, in one of the chats I was talking about Andrus being the David Eckstein of these playoffs, and people, you know, understandably got a little bit uh, uh, disgruntled about that. I think Andrus is better than David Eckstein. I just mean in terms of the media's praise of him. I mean, I've never seen a guy, it seemed like uh, the Yankees should have just played all their infielders. You guys ever see the Simpsons where... Uh, or they have Babe Ruth's great one of his illegitimate great grandkids, and he says, uh, uh, "No, he's calling a shot. Now he's pointing to the ground. He's gonna bunt." And then he, you know, he bunts. And there's three fielders right around him at the plate. They they tag him out. I guess I thought you guys would have seen that. That's what they should have done against Andrews. <laughs> Seemed like he hit like uh, every other hit was a tapper. I mean, subjectively, that would have felt like that's what it felt like. Well, he's but, fast. Uh, he's fast, so he. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, what was his? Uh, do Do we have like an estimate, anyone, of his uh, infield uh, hit percentage on the season? I mean, is he like say in the top ten percent of the league? Do you think? I'm not sure off the top of my head, but it, I'm just talking about what it felt like during the series. Right. What, what struck me about that series was uh, we talked about at the beginning of the playoffs. Uh, Texas pitching those three, well, the top three guys, Lee Wilson and and Lewis, are legitimately true talent, maybe the best in the playoffs at the beginning of the playoffs, and they they looked like it. I mean, obviously Wilson's second game was not uh, good, but other than that, they dominated. Uh, Really good offense, even though they haven't hit lately. I mean, you know, whatever the value in that kind of streak is, and they they didn't they dominated Tampa Bay for the most part. Uh, well, except you know they didn't work they didn't win you know three games in a row. So that's what struck me is that uh, for everything else that uh, has maybe not gone as one might expect, that the Texas pitchers uh, delivered. Right, Cameron. Did the uh, did did those Texas pitchers surprise you? I mean, obviously, uh, you know, a couple short series. We don't necessarily, um, you know, have 
a, a great sense of what you know what would happen say if we were to play this this series out a million times or something like that. But uh, I mean, Lee was awesome, and those other two guys were, were pretty were pretty great too. Did that surprise you to the extent to which they pitched well? Uh, I would say probably Colby Lewis pitching as well. He did surprise me. I'm sure it did not surprise you at all. But I mean, I think two starts against the Yankees uh, pitched that well, and and uh, you know against a good offense uh, in a couple of hitters' parks. Uh, I was surprised to see Lewis pitch that well. At this point, Cliff Lee, we just can't expect him to strike out 15 or 15 guys every game and pitch like a monster. So that was not surprising. I mean, it was surprising. But I think, you know, Cole Lewis uh, turning into an ace uh, certainly helped their cause. Okay, so uh, part of that was delivered in a robot voice, but what Cameron was saying, um, or maybe that was actually your real voice and your, your human <laughs> Adjustment uh, was just shut down. the The point is that uh, that maybe Lewis was a little bit surprising, um, but those other guys not so much. Now, wait, can, can we? I mean, Lee has struck out what double digits in the playoffs, like six consecutive times or something. I mean, is that like something when he starts on Wednesday night, we we're going to see double digit strikeouts, Cameron? I I do think that there is something to be said for the fact that pitchers do control the way in which they pitch, and Cliff Lee does not pitch the same way in the postseason as he does in the regular season. Like I think we look at his seven-point-something strikeout rate in the regular season and say, oh, he's not really a strikeout pitcher. Well, he's not trying in the regular season. He's just trying to get through the game and eat innings, and in the playoffs, he's trying to strike everybody out, and it's working, and he's clearly got strikeout stuff. And so I think that, you know, at this point, given how he's pitched in the postseason over the last two years, there's no reason to expect him to pitch like he's going to in the regular season. He's not going to be a pitch-to-contact guy. He's going to bust out that curve ball, and he's going to use the cutter, and he's going to miss a lot of bats. Right. Okay, now the uh, the other series. We'll start here with you, Cameron. Go back the other way here. Um, uh, Phillies, Giants. I was reading, um, I guess, a, like an AP article yesterday, interview with some of the Phillies guys, and uh, I think it was Lidge in particular said that he was shocked and that that was general, the, the general sense in the team that they were all shocked that they weren't going through the next round. Uh, my sense is that you're probably not shocked. Um, is the truth somewhere in between? Uh, sure. I mean, I think if you're a Phillies player, given how you finished the year, I think it's totally justifiable to expect that you're going to every game the rest, you know, just went out. I mean, they, they were monsters in September, and then they steamrolled the Reds, and sort of. <laughs> you know, they won 3 nothing at least. Uh, so... I think if you're a, if you're in the Philadelphia atmosphere, it's easy to get caught up into the hype of this is the best team in baseball. We have Halliday, Hamels, and Oswalt were unbeatable. You know, I tried to explain in the Cincinnati preview that that wasn't the case. People didn't like it, but you know, it turned out to be at least somewhat true. I mean, not, not that a four-game sample proves anything, but the Phillies were not unbeatable. I mean, you know, three good starting pitchers do not a team make, and the Phillies had some problems that were exposed. And you know, it's baseball; it happens. Right. Um. Klaus, and moving to, uh, or you know, to looking back at that NLCS, um, were there any general surprises for you? Uh, you were the you were the guy in charge of the Giants, um, so I assume that you know you were sort of taking a longer look than usual at them. Uh, they're a new team in the league. Uh, you know, general reflection uh, on that series for you and what it might mean going forward. Well, going forward, I think it's just a lesson that I mean anything could happen. I mean, the Phillies were, were better. I mean, I still think that, uh, but they were better. For those few games, uh, you know, Roy Halladay can't pitch a no hitter every time out. Uh, but you know, Cody Ross isn't going to hit a home run every time he comes up to bat either. Uh, yeah, with the thing with Cody Ross, and I assume you know because you were looking at that team, you might uh, you might have had some reflections on him. 
is he was was there anything different about him with the Giants than maybe you'd ever seen of him with the Marlins? You know, and of course, it's not necessarily easy to catch a Marlins game just on the air. Yeah, uh, they're frequently not on ESPN. Go ahead, sorry. I haven't seen a lot of Cody Ross over the years. I'll, I'll, I, I'm not ashamed to admit. Uh, there, he does have a fan club that's been around for a while, which is pointed out to me by uh, R.J. Anderson and Jack Halkman a couple of years ago, which is really, really funny. Right. But, sorry, Cody Ross and Cody Ross fans. I mean, you're a cool guy, but I was really surprised that you had a fan club. Right. Uh, I didn't even know the Marlins had fans. Uh, but you know, he's not a terrible. He's not a terrible player. But he's not. He's probably <laughs> Roy Halladay in one game. Right. Yeah. No, but he, but he's but he's a decent he's a decent player. What I would love to know is if Jose Guillen was really hurt. Is is really hurt? I mean, he's still with injuries the last couple of years. So it's not unbelievable. But if he was healthy, I mean, if, if he was healthy, would the Giants really have gone with him in right field? Uh, you think they and, made up an excuse to? Uh... I have no I have no idea. Uh, you know, I, it's you know I I, I make a snide comment about Bocce, and I don't like a lot of the decisions uh, he's made. But you know the, the guy managed well in that last game. I mean, he when Sanchez, you know, was you know he he, he went to the bullpen early, uh, uh, and uh, you know was put Lindsey in even though it didn't really work. Uh, and I think that will bode well for San Francisco going forward. Hey Cameron, Bocci or Bochi? Bochi. Bochi. Yeah, sorry, Klassen. Great. Right. I'm on a roll. Pronunciation. Uh, yeah. Uh, Polakowski. Yeah, I don't know. Gi- Giants, Phillies. Did, I mean, do you care about it? Did you care about it? Did you learn anything from it? Well, I cared about it plenty from listening to it on the radio with uh, you know Dwayne Kuyper and Mike Kruko, uh, You know, seeing as I couldn't watch it on Fox, uh, we'll I, I was just surprised. How... We'll get it. That'll be next thing oh. we do. I want to hear. I want to hear you uh, go off about that. But yeah, but on the radio, what did you learn? No, um, I mean it was kind of a, a weird series in that you expect, even though Philly didn't have uh, you know the, the offense I had last year, you still kind of expect them to score a bunch of runs, even off the Giants pitching staff. Um, you know when Sanchez, you know I was uh, listening to the game on uh, on Saturday, and you know I expected I expected them to score a lot more runs off Sanchez, especially after the first. It didn't sound like he was pitching very well. Uh, you know, and it was a big relief when the when the Giants were able to tie the game up. Uh, a little bit later, but it just seemed like you know they were going to get Sanchez and kind of put a crooked number on the board that the the Giants couldn't come back from. And I was just impressed, as as Matt said, that uh, that Boshi would come out, get him out of there, and just you know try to find someone who was pitching well. Right. So, um, so that's actually a nice thing that you've just said about a manager, um, which is sort of a, a curious thing maybe in the sabermetric community. If you were to Polakowski say the uh, number of positive things you know sabermetric writers generally say about manager versus the negative things where would you put the split at oh i mean it's it's clearly negative a lot of the sabermetric writers uh focus a lot on strategy and cause that's what that's what we can really that's what we see from manager we see his in-game strategy uh when you know in-game strategy does count for something and it, and it can make or break certain games uh, but there are certainly more important parts of you know roles that a manager plays that we don't see uh, that even the mainstream media doesn't see because they're behind closed doors. Uh, so it's tough. You know, I think we're unfair to managers in a way, uh, in in an overall context. But in the specific context of strategy, I think it's pretty fair uh, because a lot of them do make. If you study strategy, you understand that they are making mistakes. Now, when you say behind closed doors, like maybe like in a sexy way, like a you know like a bearskin rug or. Well, I mean, they do do the ass slapping thing. So who knows? That's right. That's true. Yeah. Um, Man, more on that uh, next pod, I guess. Uh, I, w- I want to get to the, the actual matchup here between the Giants and the Rangers. 
but first, as promised, Polakowski, I want to let you. I want to give you your like uh, two minutes or whatever to talk about how you probably won't be watching the World Series, or at least part of it. Oh, oh I am watching the World Series. It's just the you know, the end of my relationship with my cable company. Uh, well, tell us about it. Well, everyone's pretty aware, I think, at this point, because there's been so much complaining uh, and posturing on the two sides, uh, that Fox has pulled his programming from Cablevision. They had an agreement that expired. Uh, they couldn't decide on a new fee. Uh, and both sides are just, I mean, it's just a propaganda war. It's a complete trumping up of one side uh, without, you know, and, and they're distorting the other side. Uh, they both are at complete fault in this, except... Uh, you know, Cablevision is the one that I deal with. I don't deal with Fox. Consumers don't deal with Fox or any of the networks. We deal with the with the cable companies. And now the cable, my cable company is not going to be providing me with World Series coverage. Mm-hmm. And they're charging me full price for my bill. So I have to pay full price, the same cable bill that I pay every month, while I'm not getting Fox. And I'm not getting the one thing I want Fox for. Mm-hmm. Instead, I have to pay for that and go down to the electronics store and buy... Uh, a DTV antenna so that I can watch the World Series. Oh, so so if I have, if I end up going down the Radio Shack later today and buying a t- an antenna, that's it. Um, it's over. Okay. There's no way I would ever stay with Cablevision after that. So and this is affecting how many people roughly? Uh, they say three million. Okay, and that's like the greater New York area. Yeah, in New York, New Jersey, there's uh, Long Long Island. It's almost like I, they, I, they almost have a monopoly out on Long Island, I believe. Wow, man, that I. It's probably the first time I've ever felt bad for someone in Long Island. Uh, let's see. Okay, so let's talk about actual baseball games. Uh, we actually have from each of you um, maybe sort of a, a look at Ron Washington and some of the curious decisions uh, he's made, might be making. Uh, let's see. Um, who had the uh, who had the rotation choices? Who did that? I did. Okay, Cameron. What's going on with the rotation, and why is it curious? Well, basically, uh, Ron Washington has decided to start C.J. Wilson in Game 2, which is the game in San Francisco, and then Colby Lewis in Game 3, uh, which does, doesn't really make a lot of sense if you look at uh, the ballpark effects and the way the two pitchers pitch. Uh, San Francisco is one of the best parks on the planet for right-handed fly ball pitchers. It's really hard for left-handers to pull a home run in that park. Uh, you see, there's, I think, only been like 55 splash hits this year. There's not that many balls who can clear that pretty tall and deep right field fence. Um, so guys like Matt Cain do really well in that ballpark, and Colby Lewis is exactly that kind of pitcher, a right-handed fly ball guy who would significantly benefit from pitching in San Francisco. Instead, Washington's choosing to use him in Texas, where the ball flies like crazy, and using C.J. Wilson, a ground ball pitcher, in San Francisco, where he will not get the same benefit of um, the ballpark. And so, you know, it's just one of those decisions that you scratch your head uh, the only thing I've been able to come up with is that maybe he really is planning on using Vladimir Guerrero in the outfield in game two, and he wanted to have a ground ball guy in the mound instead of a fly ball guy. But as uh, Joe will talk about, using Vladimir Guerrero in the outfield it was not a great idea anyway. Okay, we'll get to Joe in a second. Cameron, if you were just to estimate, like, how many runs difference this type of thing could make, you know, if you played it out a million times, you know, roughly what would you say? Is it, fr- I mean, is it fractions? Is it fractions of fractions? Yeah, it's small. I mean, this is not the kind of thing that the Rangers are going to lose the World Series over. I would say that the you know the tailoring your pitcher to the park in those at least in that one specific game uh, is probably worth no more than a quarter of a run in the whole game, and it might not even be that high. It might be more like a tenth of a run. So you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's not that big a deal. It's just a head scratcher. Okay, head scratcher. Speaking of head scratchers, Joe Polakowski, you're not one. Ron Washington continues to be one. 
uh, Vladimir Guerrero right field? Question mark. Uh, well, first of all, it, it's very obvious. The, you know, the, the Giants put Barry Bonds in left field for very good reason, right? There's left field is a lot easier to play. There's a lot less ground to cover at AT&T Park than it is in right field. So, I mean, if if the if the if the Rangers do plan on playing Vlad in the outfield and playing him in right field, they're making two mistakes, not one. They're making a mistake by putting him in the outfield in the first place, and they're making a mistake by putting him in right in right field where he's got a lot more ground to cover. And you know he's he's a DH for a reason. You know his his legs aren't that great. They weren't what they used to be. His arm isn't what it used to be. It's not. He's not going to provide uh, an advantage in right field. Would you like me to continue and lay out the whole case for not starting him? <laughs> no, no, but but do do you think that the question is, um, and I want to get a uh, maybe a look into uh, Ron Washington's psychology in a second with with Clausen, but do you think that the idea is it's sort of like a, a momentum or inertia, uh, where it's like that's right field is where Vladimir Guerrero has played. Uh, maybe it's because he's comfortable. Maybe it's because Ron Washington isn't himself comfortable departing from that is that why he would play right field if in you know if that becomes the case if he does play right field that's the reason though if he i think there's a chance that he'll play left field um and that's because of the very few games that he started in the outfield this year okay. he did start one game in left field and that was at fenway park where it has the same thing where you know where there's not just just not as much ground to cover uh, in left field right so there is a chance that he would start in left field if he's going to start in the outfield but again, given given the alternative of David Murphy, who uh, hits righties well and feels better, it, he seems like a much better choice to, uh, to play outfield in San Francisco. Okay, uh, Clausen, the uh, Elvis Andrews thing, we touched on it briefly. Maybe look at it slightly more in depth right now. You know, I asked um, I asked Cameron, you know, starting uh, you know starting or switching Lewis and Wilson runs fractions of runs. What about Andrews? How does it, how does it look as far as that goes in terms of like actual runs scored? Well, I'd say pretend. I mean, we'll look over a full season. I don't know. I mean, it, not very much. Even like over 162 games, you know, the single dumbest thing you could think of in a, in a batting order would be, uh, as I as I mentioned in the post, and it's been mentioned many times, would be like if you're in the NL, having the pitcher get cleanup, right? Uh, That's worst case average. scenario. Yeah, that, that, the worst single move is like would cost the team 16 runs over what they normally do. In the most optimized lineup, with every spot optimized for. Base running and stuff like that. So essentially, run every yeah. ten games. Yeah. So it's but, but you know, but he's still doing the you know it's just like with the pitching thing. Uh, doing the wrong thing is you want to do you want to do the obviously right thing I guess I mean I feel I, I feel I, I don't know I, I won't speak for them I feel like pitching in Lewis in San Francisco is 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 fairly obvious. And I also think it's uh, pretty obvious that Elvis Andrus isn't one of the is, is one of the Rangers' better hitters right now. I mean, look, I, I want to make clear. I mean, Elvis Andrus is a really good young player. He had a terrible year at the plate. He had a good year last year, right? so he's not as bad. He's not. He's not, he's a better hitter than Unieski Betancourt. His true talent, even though he hit worse than Betancourt this season, which is, is really difficult um, to, to accomplish. But the thing with that, I mean. In five years, he'll, he'll, he might be a pretty good hitter. I mean, he's only he, he just turned 22, but right now they have much better options. Ian Kinsler, uh, I mean, that would be the ideal. I would actually hit Young leadoff because he'd grounds a ton of double plays over Ian Kinsler. But if they just flipped Kinsler and Andrus, that'd be a big improvement. I don't think it's a huge deal. I mean, Andrus obviously is having a great postseason, uh, but I mean, it's 50, it's 57 plate appearances. Uh, but you want to do every little thing you. Can, you can to, to, to get the advantage. 
Right. Uh, now, I want but, but you know, it's, but, but it's like the thing with but it's like the thing with Vlad in right field. I mean, when we talk about you know a tenth of a run or whatever, we're talking about probability, right? Uh, I mean, obviously, if a if a I mean, it could cost more than that. It could cost them nothing, right? But it could cost. But, but in re- so, so yeah, I mean, we're talking about pro- the chances are uh, on average, you know. But of course, it could cost them three runs. Actuality, right? If, if a ball come or, or whatever, if a ball bounces that uh, Cruz or Murphy, whoever would have played right if Vlad was was not starting, could have gotten to for an out. If it you know bounces, you know bounces behind Vlad because he couldn't get to it and rolls to the wall, you know that's going to feel a lot bigger. Uh, and then people might actually question Washington. Right now, uh, talking about uh, Washington himself, I want to. Uh, uh Utilize your uh, expertise and your understanding of the human condition, Klausa. <laughs> and uh, I want you to uh, to explain, you know. In, now you're uh, just mocking me. No, no, no. You you, you you have a lot of research. You have a you have a child, which I assume does something. What uh does what, do things? What, yes. It does things to to your sleep, maybe. Um, what what is what is up with Ron Washington? He seems like a curious guy, and like speaking, you know, like Polakowski said, a lot of the stuff goes on behind closed doors. He actually seems like a guy who, who probably can, if if it's at all possible, you know, at least get the best uh, out of his guys, you know, if not make them better. Um, is, is he an interesting character to you? And, you know, is he the sort who's maybe does things well in other areas, and it's uh, he makes up for maybe some of his strategic flaws? One would assume. I mean, you know, we don't know, and that's why I don't like uh, ripping a manager for things I don't, I don't know, or praising, or praising a manager for things I don't know about. I, I haven't been particularly impressed with uh, Washington's strategic decisions or these decisions, uh, you know, the thing about Lewis and, and, and starting Vlad and whatnot. But, you know, I think he's uh, the players respond to him, or at least the, the people who know more about what's going on, like Nolan Ryan and John Daniels, uh, think they do. And that's important. I'm not going to go nuts and say, you know, that uh, Washington is the master manipulator of his team psyches or encourager. <laughs> encourager. <laughs> nice word. Uh, uh, but he's, 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 he, there's obviously something that the executives of the organization see because they follow things. I, I'm pretty sure they understand that he's not a strategic Although I'm not sure there's a huge gap between him and, and Joe Girardi, there might be. And again, I mean, I'm not, I'm not even putting out there. Are probably think, other things that Girardi does that the, the Yankees management likes. I don't know whether they're right or wrong about that. Uh, but I hope that they're not keeping him around because of the binder. Oh yeah, the binder, the fabled binder. Okay, so Clawson, um, you know, give me in 30 seconds or so uh, your, uh, you know, what 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 is likely, what is most likely to happen in this series. Um, and who do you know? Who do you see winning it? Oh uh, man, I'm, why make a prediction at this point? I mean, I didn't think the Giants would Cause even because win. So that even win one game later on. That's why. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I it could go either way. I get, I think Texas is the better team. Yeah. I, th- I thought the Yankees were the better team in both series they played. And they they you know barely got past. The, well, they they handled the Twins pretty easily, and then they got the, basically got their butts kicked by the Rangers. So I guess I think Texas uh, should win. I mean, what I know, but you know, who knows? Maybe the Giants will sweep. And Colby Lewis will pitch. Uh, how many scoreless innings? All so, of them. All of them, right? Okay, good. Uh, Joe Paul, uh, I'm going to uh, twist your arm here and force you to make a, uh, a prediction. If you had to do so, what would it be, sir? Much as I want to pick the Giants in this one, I, I can't pick against the Rangers. I, I'm picking Rangers in five. Rangers in five. Wait, what, why do you want to pick the Giants? 
Uh, because, you know, the whole, I don't want Cliff Lee to win a World Series in, uh, in Texas thing, so, you know, he might want to stay there. Oh, right. And so if you were to guess, like, by what probability do you think that would encourage him to stay in Texas out of, you know, like, because he had sort of created this thing there? Yeah, I'm not really sure. It's going to depend. I mean, obviously, money's going to play a huge role, and I just think that the Rangers, uh, you know, they seem to be, after going through bankruptcy just a couple of months ago, uh, seem to be back on steady financial ground. So I, I, I expect that given what their payroll level is at this year, uh, what, what they're looking at for next year, uh, that, that you know, because remember, they're losing Rich Harden off the books and such after this year. Uh, so I think they'll be able to piece together a, a very competitive offer for Lee. And considering no state income tax and, you know, the, hey, we want a, I want a World Series with these guys, uh, perhaps that, you know, has him take a little bit less money to stay in Texas than uh, the Yankees might offer him. Interesting. Along, along the same lines, as a Royals fan, let me say I would really like the Rangers to win on the condition that Jeff Francoeur has a couple of game-winning home runs. Right. That would be really nice. That would be really nice. Yeah, very smart. Uh, and, Cameron, before I get your prediction, does, uh, does Texas winning uh, the World Series – um, affect Cliff Lee's um, likelihood of signing with them? Yeah, I think it does. I mean, if nothing else, it gives the Rangers a financial boost. I mean, you know, if they win the World Series, their ticket sales for season tickets are going to be significantly higher next year than if they don't. I mean, if you can advertise World Series champions all offseason, you're going to sell a lot of tickets. And there's going to be people who jump on the bandwagon because they want to support a winner. And so, just from a pure, forgetting Cliff Lee standpoint, the Rangers will have more money to throw at Cliff Lee if they win the World Series. And so I think, uh, you know, if they win it all, there's a chance that he doesn't end up in pinstripes, which is good for everyone except for Joe Paul. Right. Now, Lee um, Lee is a sort of funny character because even though he seems, like, eminently likable and totally virtuous, he doesn't really seem to have demonstrated anything like... Um, what we'd call like true loyalty. Like, pitching for the Mariners, he obviously pitched as well as he could, and he was you know dominant for his starts with them. But he also had no no qualms about leaving. It seemed like it, it, is that a what you consider an accurate reading of Lee? Not really. He was uh, really angry when the Phillies traded him. He wouldn't do a conference call with the Seattle media. It was very clear that he had no interest in pitching for the Mariners. He eventually reported and did his job and did it really well. But he was legitimately upset when the Phillies traded him. He, he thought they were working toward the contract extension. He was planning on staying in Philadelphia for a really long time. So when the Phillies just up and moved him, he got really pissed. And so I think that there's um, – if, if Cliffley had his way, he would not have been traded four, four times uh, three times, every time he's been traded in the last year and a half. I think he's going to pick a team uh, and he's going to demand a no-trade clause because he doesn't want to keep moving around. I think he's tired of this. He wants to pick one team for six or seven years. And, uh, you know, if they win the World Series with Texas, I wouldn't be totally shocked if that's where he stayed. And is he one of the sort of players, do you think, that deserves a no-trade clause? Or that, you know, yeah. could it makes sense to give him one? Uh, I think with any pitcher, uh, there's massive risk in giving them a long-term deal, but I don't think a no-trade clause is that big a deal, because either Cliff Lee is going to be really good and you don't want to trade him, or he's going to be hurt and you can't. So, uh, you know, a no-trade clause, pitchers almost come with built-in no-trade clauses. Okay, and then uh, uh, finally, your prediction of the series, what might happen? Uh, I'll go Rangers in six. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the Rangers are a better team. The Giants are, you know, not bad, but Texas is better. So. Okay. All right, there you go. Ta-da! Uh, this has been a uh, another uh, White Hot edition. Let's say goodbye to our panel members. Uh, we'll say goodbye uh, in uh, in order of uh, competence. No, that's not nice. Anyway, we'll start with Matt Clausen. Clausen, uh, you've been a you've been a great sport. Uh, I think your young man is still taking a nap, uh, hopefully, so that you've uh, gotten this pod done in the time uh, it takes for him to do that. Is that right? 
Yes. Okay, good. Well, uh, thank you for participating, sir. Well, it's good to be here. <laughs> uh, sounds excited about it. Uh, Joe Paul, thank you for joining us from the big, big city. Uh, you should go back and contribute to one of like the seven or eight blogs you, you contribute to. Uh, that's that's on the agenda for the afternoon, sir. Okay, good. Well, uh, thank you for joining us. And uh, once again, uh, Dave Cameron from the American South, our full-time employee. Uh, it's been charming, sir. So based on the uh, order that you've gone to me, I am the meanest and least competent? You know, it's interesting that you say that. Uh, well, we're out of time. We have to get going <laughs> here. And uh, uh, But, yeah, like I said, uh, it, it has been uh, great having all of you. Uh, I am and will continue to be Carson Sestouli. And this has been Fangraphs Audio. Mm-hmm.